we have our uh, time that we pray together as a people of God. So you open up the auditorium for prayer at 9.30. Usually go till 10 so that we, you know, um, spend time with God. And then everybody can get into their stations and places wherever they're serving. And uh, today was just so extra beautiful um, because God just fell in this place so powerfully and so beautifully. Um, and it's even extra special for me because the topic that I want to talk about is God's presence. And so it's... <laughs> It's, it's of God to show up however way he wants to. And he, I love when he just connects the little things. Um, and it was so beautiful. Like we didn't really stop. We just went into service. And so some of you may have come in and be like, what in the world's going on? Yeah, God kind of got started before we got started. And, um, and when that happens, you roll with it because it's really, we're waiting in his presence. He's not waiting on our presence. He's waiting. So as my little intro, because, you know, with sermons, you have to have some sort of intro. The question that kind of kept coming up to mind is, um, have you ever wondered why people come to church? Why do we come for church? Uh, it's a personal question that I want every one of us to like ask, you know, why are you here? Why do you come to church? And I would propose that the reason that you come to church is whatever that thing is, whatever that reason is, that is because you value that thing that you come to church for. Um, so, for example, if you value, you know, if you come to church for the music, and the production and how we do everything here perfect and excellent. <laughs> Same thing, I'm just joking. Um, and maybe you just, you just come to just get lost in the, in the worship of God. That means that you value worship. So you show up for, for that. Maybe, you're, maybe you come to hear the word and so you just get in here and you're eager to just be fed so you value the word. Maybe it's ministries. Maybe some of you just drop your kids off so you can get a break. We don't judge harshly. Um, maybe some of you are thinking like, look, I'm here because of my spouse. Yeah, you're here because you value your spouse. It's still a value question. It's always a value question. And we can come to church and can come for church for a lot of different reasons. And, and none of those are bad. Maybe you're here because you've always come to church. That's just what you do. Um, those are not all bad. But what I would want, I would want us to be a people that value God's presence above all else doesn't mean that the word is not important. It doesn't mean that the music is not important. It doesn't mean that the ministries are not important. It just means that the purpose of why we show up is to experience God's presence. 
And as a church and as a people, that is our aim. You may not know this, but our, our music set was all cut up this morning. What we did was not what we planned to do. And that is because we want to reorient our lives around the presence of God, not around the plan that we have made. And my heart is like burning that we value and begin to value or continue to value or value more deeply in being in the presence of God. Um, and I know, I know when I say that, people have different perspectives of what that looks like. I would not, and I would hate for any one of us to cheapen God's presence by putting it into an emotional expression only. Because when we think of God's presence, we think of emotions. And I just want to say that emotions are there, but they're not the substance of God's presence. Many times we rally around God's presence. The things that God, or maybe the things that we want God to give us, the prayers that we want God to answer, the needs that we're carrying. I don't want to diminish his presence to his gifts or to emotions. And so when we talk about valuing God's presence, we get into the attributes of God. Because apart from his attributes, our understanding of his presence is diminished. And so when the, the value of his presence is diminished, it's easier for us to show up only to hear the message and skip the worship. It's easier for us to only experience his presence in the emotion of the moment. And God is wanting so much more. He wants us to go so much more deeply. And I just want to, just want to list a few attributes of God as we start to talk about God's presence this morning. God is good. It's one of his attributes. He's infinitely, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. That's just who he is. He is good. So when we sing songs or when someone comes and says God is good, it's not that God is good because he did something. It's just that he is good because he's good. And whether or not he's done anything, he still remains good. We do not add to his goodness, nor do we take away from his goodness. He is good. It's not just a Christianese phrase. God is good. Yes, he is all the time. God is good. All right. But we keep moving with our lives as if God is not good because we're murmuring and complaining. Well, God did not give me the spouse. Well, God did not give me the kids. God did not give me the job. God hasn't healed my body. God hasn't done this. How do, yes, God, you're good, but we are living a life of complaining can we just say God is good and put a period? God is wise. 
He's full of perfection and unchanging wisdom. God is faithful. He is infinitely and unchangingly true. God is just. He's unchangeably right and perfect in all that he does. This is why it's good news when we say that God is a judge. Because his judgment is righteous. So it's good news. But we don't want to talk about God's judgment. We would rather talk about the things that he has for us, the good things, the things that make us smile. But that should make us smile, that God is a judge. It should make us smile that we need to be terrified of God. Because he's a consuming fire. He's like a whirlwind. But we approach God as, hey, God, I got, I got gifts and talents and dreams. doesn't work like that. God is merciful. He's infinitely compassionate. compassionate. God is gracious. God is loving. God is holy. God is glorious. God is immutable. It means that he never changes. God is self-sufficient. That means he does not need you. God is infinite. And this is where I want to begin to unpack a little bit. God is infinite. He is self-existing without origin. God does not have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. He just is. Colossians 1.17, and we didn't get a chance to get scripture, so I'm just going to read. Colossians 1.17 says this, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He was created by nothing and has always existed forever. This is, this, this is a difficult one for us to understand because we are limited. And for us to grasp a limitless God is beyond our comprehension and understanding. So we believe it, but we don't even know what that looks like because we do not know life before us or after us. Our life is surrounded by our circumstances and everything in the world revolves around us. So beyond us, we have very little interest. God was here before you were born. God will be here after you die. A.W. Tozer says this, to admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of our categories, who will not be dismissed with a name, who will not appear before the bar of our reason, nor submit to our curious inquiries. This requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possess, so we save face by thinking God down to our level, or at least down to where we can manage him. 
God is infinite. God is omnipotent, which means that he's all-powerful. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He made everything, everything. And, and we have a hard time keeping our breath clean. Job 11.7 says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If he comes along and confines you in prison and uh, and conveys you a, a court, who can oppose him? Surely he recognizes deceivers, and when he sees evil, does he not take note? Omnipotent means to have unlimited power. Omni means all. Potent means powerful. He's all powerful. God is able and powerful to do anything he wills without any effort on his part. And then here's where I want to dive in. Actually, I'm going to do one more. God is omniscient. That means that he's all-knowing. Isaiah writes, Isaiah 49, verse 9, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do that I please. And I love A.W. Tozer. He has this amazing book on the attributes of God that's worth reading. But he says this, God perfectly knows himself and being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly and with the fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that, or that may exist in the centuries or ages yet unborn. In this moment, God knows all things at the same time. He knows not just what is, but he also knows what could be. God infinitely has exhausted all possibilities and knows the outcome of everything potential. And then to this one that I want to park in, God is omnipresent. He not only knows everything, he is everywhere. Psalm 139, we're very familiar with. David writes, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in uh, Sheol, behold, you are there. 
If I take my wings of the dawn and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Jeremiah 23 verse 23 says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? God's presence is altogether different from physical matter. Because we're confined to being present in the physical form. The reason I'm reading this and the reasons that the reason that I want to dive into this is for us to begin to evaluate what kind of God do we envision when someone says God? I believe it is so easy for us to condense and diminish God without knowing or realizing that that's what we're doing. God's presence, there's three aspects to God's presence. The first one, his, his omnipresence, which we just read, God is everywhere. There's nowhere that we can go where he's not there. There's then his inner presence. John 14, we read in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. There are three aspects of God's presence. It's true that God is everywhere. And it's also true that God is within you. And it's also true that God is not within everybody. Yes, God is everywhere, but not in some people. God gives us himself. All these attributes that we read. Jesus said, I am with you right now, but then the Holy Spirit will come and he will not only be with you, but he will be in you. So there is an omnipresence of God everywhere and we understand that somewhat and we go to that. Well, God is everywhere. That's true. The question is, is God in you? And this is where the gospel of the good news that invites each and every one of us. When we give our lives to him, when we surrender our lives to him, in exchange he gives us himself to dwell in us. And we know and understand that part as well. The, 
inner presence of God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? 1 Peter 2.5 says this, And you are a living stone that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Then, the third aspect is the manifest presence of God. This is the presence of God that we could leave or hide from. This is the presence of God that not too many understand or walk in. Some of us may get hung up on the word manifestation because we've heard it applied wrongfully or mysteriously or cultishly. But manifestation basically means to be made known. To be made known. Making his presence known among us. The Bible says that God manifested himself. So when Jesus was born, this was the manifestation of God. He was made known through the virgin birth. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It doesn't take away that God is everywhere. It just means that there's also an additional part that God can be with you. His presence can be with you. God is everywhere, true. God is not in everyone, true. And God is also not with everyone. All of those things are true. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. We can easily dismiss that by saying, well, God is everywhere. And yet Adam and Eve hid themselves from the manifested presence of God. And then we figure out and read later on why. What's really interesting is that one of the definitions for Eden is not just a garden, but Eden can also be defined and described as God's presence. So God created this place called earth. Then he created a place where his presence dwells. And then he designed and made mankind and put him in his presence. Because that's where you and I are designed to live from. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God kicked them out of his presence. 
And Jesus comes along and he creates a pathway for us to get back into God's presence. Genesis 4.16, then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Exodus 33.15, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Joshua 1, verse 5 says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn... to it from uh, to the left or to the right, so that you may have success wherever you go. Jonah 1, verse 1 and 3 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship where it was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down, into, uh, it, uh, and went down to it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Can you believe that although God is everywhere, God's presence is everywhere, and God's presence could even live in you, and at the same time, God cannot and is not with you? We could leave God's presence. Some of us are doing the things that God has told us not to do. And God's presence is not with you. It is so easy for us to, God's everywhere, he's loving, he's kind. And yet we read that there is an aspect of God that is with you or against you. How do you leave God's presence? Well, when you do what he told you not to do or don't do the things that he told you to do. It's about being willfully disobedient. And I'm not talking about the things that he told you in your secret place. But there's a lot that he's already spoken and said that he's holding you accountable to. It's not about perfection. It's not about trying to keep all the law. It's about being obedient to him. And so maybe that's why many times we're praying and praying and trying to get people to pray for our situation. And God's like, you're still sleeping with your girlfriend. You're still lying. You're still walking in your own right mind or in in the things that you deem right. 
You don't pick up my book. You don't, you don't come f- to me. And yet you want me to just mysteriously show up and open all the doors and do all these things. The fight between our flesh and our spirit is the fight to be in God's presence. So every time you start praying, your flesh attacks you. Every time you start picking up the Bible, your flesh attacks you. Your flesh is trying to keep you from the presence of God. And over and over, we just enter into worship, and three minutes later, we just, we're, we're done. But what if we stayed a little longer? The powerful thing about waiting on the Lord is not that God is delaying to come. It's the waiting is that it, it requires our flesh to be sacrificed and crucified and laid down at the altar. And that is a thing that takes time. This is why we don't show up on Sunday ready to worship because we're too busy still trying to kill off our flesh. Because we're too busy living in our flesh all week long. What if we made it a daily practice to kill our flesh and get into the presence of God? When we wait upon the Lord, he rewards us. His reward is himself. This is why on Sundays we take our time because we want God's presence to show up and lead us. Because in his presence, all of your answers could be answered. (laughs) Whatever is holding you and whatever you're bound with, you can be free in his presence. A moment of being in his presence could eliminate a lifetime of mistakes. This is what I said in the beginning. I don't want to attribute and diminish God's presence, his manifested presence, just to an emotion. But we respond emotionally to his presence. Like, this is why today was so beautiful because he showed up and it's like I got this word in my head like, like I started. I started already. You're waiting until 1030. Uh, you know, I'm not early. I already started. Are you going to go with me or not? And so I picked the mic and said, guys, he started. Get, call everybody in. We're, we're, we're rolling. Because he, he's here. He showed up in this manifested presence. And that's the beautiful thing about when we show up and worship. Because when we worship him, we are offering ourselves to him. This is why worship is not about you or I. And maybe this is why a lot of us don't enter when we're worshiping and we show up late. is because we don't know how to give sacrifice to him. We're so used to just receiving from him, receiving from him, receiving from him. That we don't know even how to give him. So God is asking us, 
to give, to worship him, to adore him. This is our ministry to him. This is us honoring and worshiping him. God's not going to need another sermon because he already has the word. But he's asking for our worship. He's asking for our presence. He's asking us to wait on him. To connect with him in a way that's not just theological, not just informational or intellectual. His presence is not about making good days or making bad days into good days. His presence is not about answering all of our questions and giving us everything that we want. His presence is him. It's not a form of him. It is him. All of him. That's the reward. Him. And for some reason, that's not good enough for a lot of us. We want something else. We want something. And God's like, I'm offering you the greatest reward. There's a story in the Bible about a person who found treasure. And he says that once he discovered this treasure on this land, he sold everything he had to obtain the field where the treasure was. He laid everything down. And you may be asking like, like what does God want from me? What he wants is so, so simple. Are you ready? He wants all of you. He wants everything sure he could beat you up and take it he doesn't need to ask you for permission but he's inviting us continually so when we worship we're laying things down we're laying our unforgiveness down we're laying our bitterness down we're convicted and we're responding with God forgive us And then when he forgives us, we say, God, we thank you. We worship you that you are not holding my sin against me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gifts that you have given us. He doesn't have to live in us. He does not have to be with us, and he chooses that. Sometimes I wish that he forced his presence on us just want it or not and the truth is one day he will but on the day that he forces it you will not have a choice so every time we we show up here you know we invite God's presence to be here manifested among us with us this is why you feel certain things this is why we go longer on the song or on a verse or in a chorus because it's not about us we're not trying to make something for God to finally show up we're just saying God we invite you and when he shows up we make room for him and we give him our undivided attention and we say God lead us God lead us and we don't know what's going to happen today we don't know how he's going to lead us where he's going to lead us we don't know if he's going to bring something up we don't know if he's going to heal someone we don't know anything of what he's going to do because those things are not important as much as just god be here show up in our midst 
This is why church should be a whole different place than a social club or another gathering. Yes, it's about community. Yes, it's about all these things. But priority is God's presence. And what's beautiful about God's presence, about God being with us, is that he is not confined to these walls. We just don't enter here and now he is here. And then we leave and we leave him and just, oh, well, he's inside of me. This shouldn't be good enough. This is why I love about Moses. Moses is like, look, God, you have given us freedom. But if you don't go, we'd rather be in bondage. To understand, we would rather be slaves if your presence doesn't go with us. Are you kidding me? We would choose to be free and then figure out the God's presence later. And Moses knew because he was with God face to face. Once he tasted God, he said, God, I don't need freedom. I don't need anything that this world offers because all I need and all I realize is what I need and everything that, 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 that I will ever want is found in your presence. I mean, think about it. Like he's responsible for other people. You know, imagine if God says, no, Moses, the people are a mess. I'm not going with you. Then Moses would be like, look, guys, um, God was going to set us free. And I said, no, because his presence wouldn't go with us. So we're going to remain slaves. What, Moses? And this is why the transition between Moses and Joshua was so severe and so, so hard on Joshua. This is why God had to appear to Joshua and say, look, Joshua, the transition is massive. Moses is dead. You're in a new land. You're in between spaces. You have a future that I'm trying to pull you into and a past that everyone's still trying to get out of. And Joshua was wrestling with this. And this is why God shows up and says, Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. So don't be afraid. Be courageous. Why are we okay without without being in his presence? Why does that normal for the church at large? telling you I've never wanted God's presence as as I want him now in my life and when he shows up nothing compares nothing compares and I promise you that in this place where he shows up you will lose track of time when was the last time you lost track of time with God But a lot of us, we lose track of time when we're watching a movie. So we know what that looks like. But we're, we're prioritizing something that will not last. telling you like it was it was like so powerful this morning and and i just love how god was like so sweet by showing up that way because i didn't know 
if he was going to show up in that way or, or what way, but just for his presence to just be manifested with us this morning. Like, it was okay. We, we were just playing music in the speakers and just worshiping and praying. And I honestly thought that that was what the whole service is going to be like today. Because all those things, it leads to his presence. God's presence is not an idea of his presence. It's him. It's him. And when you read all the attributes of God, that's what you're inviting yourself into. That's what you're saying, God, show up. God, we ask, look at all these attributes. God, we ask that you show up in your goodness. We ask that you show up in your wisdom, in your faithfulness, in your mercy, in your graciousness, in your loving kindness, in your holiness, in your glorious God. We invite all of you to show up and make yourself at home when we gather. There's more to God than what you know. There's more to God than whatever you felt to this moment. And what's amazing is that He's made a way for us, and all we have to do is invite Him in. Just invite Him in. God, we don't want anything from you. We want you. Go ahead, invite him. Invite him. Use your mouth. Say, God, I invite you into my family. God, I invite you into my business. God, I invite you into my problem. separate you from him not life not death he was there before you he's gone ahead of you he's in your future God we invite your presence to your feet. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for showing up this morning. God, we thank you for showing up this morning. your thanksgiving to God. God, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done, for who you are. Thank you that you are good. 
Thank you that you are in my future. Thank you that you've already made a way. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for leading us into all truth. Thank you for healing our bodies. Thank you for mending relationships. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for friends. Thank you for allowing us to worship and rally around you. Thank you for giving us a chance and again and another chance and another chance. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for being patient with me. There's so much. There's so much to be thankful for. And that is one way that you and I can enter into his presence. Having thanksgiving be on our lips regardless of what you're going through. There is more things to be thankful for than what you're going through. So go ahead, lift your voice. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. We thank you. Get it out of your mind and onto your lips. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. You could have been done with us and you are not. One final thing as, um, as we worship through music. The manifest presence of God is like you and me walking out on the beach, immersing ourselves into the depth of the water. It is you saying, I'm going to get my feet wet, but that's not good enough. I'm going to walk until I'm completely immersed in him. That's the, this means that it's on you. I can never duplicate my experience with God. You and I are called to carve out our own.